And now, proper propaganda. Watch it. Pull my mic back. You like that? Journalists with journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. Now, if you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I am your host, Ramses Jock. I go by the name Q Ward. Yes, indeed. And I'm going to need you to stick around a little bit more because we still have a lot more show in store for you. Uh, we will be talking about the killers of Ahmad Aubrey and their sentence, which is a rather different outcome. And, you know, to be journalists, we have to be fair and to, you know, make sure that we tell the stories, all the stories in the right way. And so we'll spend some time talking about that. Also, I, you know, I come across a lot of data, a lot of statistics and things like that. So I do want to tell a story, I believe, that is the celebration of the black mind. Um, so we're going to do that for our way black history fact and discuss a guy named Thomas Fuller, a.k.a. the Virginia calculator in a few more minutes. But first up, we are going to discuss how to become a better ally. All right. So we work in media. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. Yes, sir. And uh, so this is going to get a little technical for those of you who don't really follow media, but there's a company. It's called Nielsen. Nielsen is the company that gives us all of our ratings. That's just know how we're doing. Right. Um, Nielsen has chosen to become a better ally and we're going to shout them out. I'm going to read this for you. This is from InsideRadio.com. We're radio nerds, so we read this sort of stuff but we had to share it all right in a move that will potentially make radio ratings more accessible to more station owners nielsen has launched a new program geared at helping diverse owned media companies raise their profile with advertisers and agencies its diverse media equity program will also include helping minority owned radio stations to be measured even if they are unable to afford a subscription as well as the launch of the first ever report on diverse owned media reach and audience profiles quote Nielsen is investing in diverse owned media by getting rid of historical barriers and traditional measurement, CEO David Kenney said in a statement. Advertisers and the media industry recognize the need to be more inclusive and want to ensure they reach an audience that is increasingly diverse. We are leading the charge to develop a consistent framework and metrics to help demonstrate the value of diverse diverse owned media. What that means basically is information is expensive to get ratings to know how your programs are doing that's expensive right they're making those ratings more accessible to black owned radio stations right and for those that follow me a little bit more closely you might know that i work with the black information network as my monday through friday and then my saturday or sunday or whatever day (laughs) that civic cypher airs uh in your city um, is sort of our passion project. You and my, uh, our passion project here. One time for the Black Information Network. Yes, indeed. Got to say that. So um, that data making its way to Black owned radio stations and minority owned radio stations, whether or not they can afford it, is a huge win because it helps those stations have get more up to speed have a little bit more we're talking gospel state we're talking stations that you know it doesn't really they could do better they can make better decisions these aren't you know going to change the landscape and it's not being unfair this is this is a brilliant move and it's a it's a kind move and it deserves to be shouted out so shout out to nielsen 
Um, and, you know, if you want to learn how to become a better ally, you know, take a page out of that book right there. All right, moving on. Let us talk about this story from CNN.com. All right. A jury has found the three white men who killed Ahmaud Aubrey in 2020 guilty of all charges in their federal hate crimes trial, backing the prosecutor's case that the men chased the 25-year-old through the streets of, George, of a Georgia neighborhood because he was black. Um, I'm not going to say these people's names because I got beef. Uh, the men were found guilty of interference of rights, a federal hate crime, and attempted kidnapping. The verdict comes nearly two years to the day after Aubrey was killed in the neighborhood outside Brunswick on February 23, 2020, and it's months after the three were convicted in a state court in November of murder. All right, so uh, let's bring ourselves up to speed. So we knew that they were convicted in the state court, right? Um, then they had to go to trial, like a federal trial or something like that. And they were going to uh, accept some sort of plea that would have allowed them basically a lenient sentence. You know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm not a court or the, the idea was that they'd confess that they did this for the reasons okay. that they did it. Okay. So accepting a lesser charge for doing so. Okay. Hey, we killed that guy because he was black. And we'll admit that, but you guys got to take it easy on us. Cool. I thank you for saying that because it's hard for me to say that. Stuff. Yeah. And then they were like, no, nah, we're not going to take it easy on you for that. What are you talking about? But I remember that that came out in the news and, and a lot of people in sort of our circles were kind of worried. Like, I threw oh up. My, my stomach was hurting. It was bad. Yeah. Because yeah. I was sure that that was the worst thing I'd ever heard of. Like, wait, what? Mm. Somebody, I think, must have felt like I felt, though. Well, unlike, you know, the Kim Potter judge, unlike the Kyle Rittenhouse judge, this judge in Georgia, or wait a minute. Yeah, the, I know the judge in Georgia. I'm not sure who the judge is now, but the judge in Georgia was a G, right? I remember we talked about it on the show, he made the court sit in silence for the amount of time that the men chased uh, Ahmad, just so that everyone in the courtroom would know how long these people were making the decision to end this man's life and to otherwise interfere with his liberty, right? Um, this is one story where we can look at it and say, we don't want to say it's good because it's not good, but we can say, now you're doing your job. I'd like to say it's good. Well, uh, and, it's, and should be normal. Normal. That's, that's what, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not, it's not that I want to make it good. Like, ha ha ha. Oh, no, no, got no. You back, it's, but it's just, it's fair. It's not celebratory in a trivial way. Yeah. That's why I didn't want to use the word good. It's, it's the sense of accountability that should exist. You should not be able to murder people with impunity because you felt like it. Yes. Like that's not how this is supposed to go, except for when the victims look like us. Yeah. Disproportionately black people and they don't get the, and the perpetrators look like them. Yeah. We can turn back the page to the story we just, or the segment that we know. Yeah, because yeah. I can. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm with we you. can rewind. We gotta. We, re <laughs> we can rewind. We have. We keep our shows. Yeah, absolutely. So we can rewind. To, okay, never mind. Well, that Go reminds ahead. me too. By the way, quick plug. 
if you just tuned in to the show or you catch it halfway through, or you missed last week's, or you want to catch up on another episode, hit the website, civiccipher.com, because we do take the radio show and we make it available for download um, on your favorite podcasting platform uh, via our partnership with you know, the Black Information Network, Pacifica Radio Network, iHeartMedia, you know, you name it. Um, we got a lot of partners and we have a lot of listeners and we appreciate that because um, we never expected for things to get to where they are. And now we're starting to feel a little bit more indispensable in the media space, at least for the things that we talk about. And that's because of the support of our listeners. So we hope we, we continue to do right by you and we continue to be fair in this space. That's why I love the, <laughs> the fact that you're realistic and I'm optimistic because I can't have my head in the clouds and we can't just be doom and gloom all the time either. So anyway, uh, back to the story. Um, here's a quote. Thank God for this good morning uh, that Wanda and Marcus have prayed for. I'm imagining Wanda and Marcus are the parents of the mob. Um, it is because of their conviction to get full justice, not partial justice, that we get to celebrate this moment, attorney Ben Crump told reporters. Uh, the gentleman who took Ahmad's life had agreed to plead guilty before trial, but the judge overseeing the case rejected the deal after Aubrey's family raised concerns that the resulting sentence could lead to favorable imprisonment conditions. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Um, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland responding in Washington Tuesday to a reporter's question about Cooper Jones's statement appeared to choke up as he answered, quote, I cannot imagine the pain that a mother feels to have her son run down and then gunned down while taking a jog on a public street. Garland said at a Justice Department news conference, my, uh, my heart goes out to her and to the family. That's really all I can say about this. Now, um, I know we're not talking to these people. Because I don't imagine these people listen to the type of stations that carry this show. And if they do, they certainly probably aren't listening to our show. But I do want to say something so that it is said. Um, I've heard this before, and I may have even shared it on the show before. But many people in this instance had taken issue with Ahmad Aubrey, his jog, quote unquote, and his attire whilst jogging, right? That he did not look like a jogger, okay? Uh, it's funny, we went on a jog earlier. You stole it from out of my brain, Ramses. <laughs> Go ahead, talk about it. <laughs> we went for a jog today in one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the state of Arizona. Yeah. We did not look like we were dressed appropriately for a jog either, I'm guessing. I have on almost slacks and a hoodie and a hat and a jacket. And I didn't, I actually did have on some runners, okay, but I did not have on jogging or workout clothes. Sure. Um, so I'm sure we could have been yeah, none of us did. painted with the same brush, but what were we doing? It was a bona fide jog. We're, we're taking care of our fitness. We went out to talk and discuss business and, you know, we have a lot of business together and then, you know, throw some ideas around about the show and get some exercise. That's what we were doing. And turns out we did something pretty dangerous. And I didn't think about it in that scope until now. Yeah, man. That's why it was. So it's, it's important we share this, too. There was a woman that drove by us today. You want to tell the story? Uh, yes, there was a, a, a young lady. I'll call her 
But no, say, say her a, age. A young lady that's old enough to be our mothers, at least. There you go. Okay. And a very, very expensive automobile mm-hmm. who gave us a very joyous smile and a very courteous wave as she passed us. Okay. Stop. Stop. Now, if you're listening to that story, you think, well, yeah, that's, that's normal. Nothing crazy there. But if you're us in that neighborhood, maybe not dressed in what, what I don't know who goes shopping for running clothes. I just run in the clothes that I'm wearing. That's I, you know, I don't I play basketball in jeans. Why not? You know, I'm not, not an athlete, so I don't need to prove anything. But if you're us and you hear that story, you're like, wow, that's amazing. That's that's woman who's that age and that type of vehicle in that type of neighborhood was happy when she saw you and she waved. This lady was not black, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, she was not black. It was such a surprise, right? It goes a long way. So if you're in a surprise because 30, 40 cars drove by us. Yeah. She was the singular smile and wave that we got. Yeah. Now, um, another thing that a lot of folks said who took issue with Ahmaud Aubrey or his jogging in the neighborhood uh, mentioned that he stopped at a house that was under construction. And I did say this on the show before. If you had any concerns about that. Well, what was he doing in that house? He shouldn't have been in that house looking at the house under construction. He could have been stealing. Okay. We're going to check your prejudices right now, right? If that's what you believe, he shouldn't have been in that house, right? Which in your mind is very sensible. Why would anybody go into the house that's under construction unless they were up to no good? Right. In your brain, that seems like a very reasonable and very sensible question to ask. Right. We're going to challenge your prejudices right here. Q and I are going to do that. Do me a favor. Swap Ahmad Arbery for Kelly. Uh, what is Kelly's last name? Anderson. Kelly is the same age as Ahmad Arbery, 25 year old. Let's make her white. Let's give her blonde hair and blue eyes. Let's make her young. Let's make her attractive. Okay, so now we've just changed the person, right? Same story, though. She's out in a neighborhood where people may not know her. She goes into a construction site, checks it out, leaves the construction site. Now, are you still saying, well, you know, she shouldn't have been in the house. You know, she was she had to have been up to no good. Are you still are you still saying that? Because now she's a white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes. Right. So does personal accountability matter or is it skin color? Did you learn something about yourself after I said that? This is what we've been trying to say. Now, um, I know on the, on the show I've shared that once upon a time I had a house under construction. Once upon a time before then even, I dreamt of building a house, right? I wanted to build this really cool house that I could have. You know, I've always been into music and that sort of thing. I wanted a studio. I thought that'd be so cool. Now I have one, you know, uh, this is, you know, this is kind of, how this is how I imagine my future. You know, a lot of folks might recognize you have to imagine things before they manifest themselves in reality, right? And one of the ways that I went about doing this was by engaging wherever I could. I needed the visual, I needed the tactile response so that I could know how to piece things together in my mind, how to formulate a plan and bring it into manifestation. So I was in, in, interested in construction techniques and how to, how do you you know, incorporate glass and brick into the same architecture, you know, like those sorts of things, because those are things, you know, growing up in the Southwest of the United States, those are things that, you know, we work with the building materials that are here that are, that are going to last. Right. 
So I took an interest in those things. Then later, when I actually bought a house, right, I paid the money to the, the proper, to the company, the, the home builder. I designed my house. I picked out the colors. It looked like a castle. It was, dope. It was right on a lake. I was, I was, man, I was doing my thing, man. Anyway, um, so I did this whole thing. And of course, it takes a while for them to actually build the house. I bought the plot of land. They had my money. You know, everything was on the up and up. But, and this house was so far away. But because I'm me and I needed to see it and I needed to feel it, right? What I do? Whenever I got some free time, I took that long drive out there to go see my house and see how far along they had gotten. And I'd be there on that plot of land where I was going to bring my son. I was going to bring my girl and my family. We were going to live, right? I would see that plot of land. And then I would see when they put the sticks and the strings. And then I would see when they poured the cement, you know, and I saw where the driveway was going to go, you know, and then I saw the, the wood frames go up. I would go back and back and back. And I would see all the supplies laying in the backyard for the pool and every, you know, I saw it all. And I'd go and I would go and I would go. And what happened? People would see me there. What is this guy doing over there? Does he live around here? Who is he? You know, oh, is that guy up to no good? You know what I mean? Those are the looks that I got. And I feel like that's the story that we are seeing here. Because as we now know, this man didn't steal anything. This man was, in fact, running. You know, and his, his, this man's life is now over because of these three men. So I just want to make sure that I said that. Now, let's get back to the... Um, these guys uh, that, that took his life. Did you hear about the, the court proceedings where they like went through their social media history and pulled up all of their like racist jokes and things like that to help kind of establish the character of these men? Yeah, social media, cell phone records, their normal convert, their normal daily day-to-day conversations with their practitioners mm-hmm. and neighbors and friends mm-hmm. and colleagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, One of these guys is an ex-cop, right? Who, who disgustingly provided no objection to the way that these guys thought and spoke. That's actually what stood out to me the most. When they're talking about the records of these conversations, there's no record of any of these people being like, yo, that's kind of wild what you said there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Par for the course. And you know what? You might be listening in Oregon, you might be listening in Vermont, you might be listening in Texas, you might be listening in San Diego, you might be listening anywhere in the country, wherever you are. We appreciate that listenership and the support. But you might be thinking, that doesn't happen here. And I'm here to tell you that it probably does. You can remove the probability. It's not probable. It absolutely happens. Sure. I'm, I, I try to sadly, <laughs> it absolutely happens. You know, I try to give where you are too. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I'm, I think one of these guys was an was an ex cop, right? If I'm not mistaken, I'm not the, sure. The eldest, the the older of the three gentlemen, like it was a guy and his son, and then a neighbor driving a truck. The older gentleman, yeah, was some relationship once upon a time, a police officer. He has some relationship with the criminal justice system. That I'm sure. Sure. Of. Um, and so it's funny how there are so many people in this country that will take this word police and blindly back it. 
it can do no wrong or they, they might have some concessions so they will seed that hey man you know there's a few bad apples every you know the force that big you're bound to get some folks who are kooky and whatever but overall they do a great job right instead of looking at it like well you know what we have a system in place that affords opportunities uh, for advancement and fails to punish um or thoroughly vet you know uh folks who have harmful beliefs and ideologies who cannot execute the job fairly, equally across the board, you know, um, there are people who say, you know, uh, you know, obviously there's a call, very loud call to defund the police. The, there's a group of people who say, no, defend the police. Right. Um, and I believe that the police does not really need defense. I'm being funny here because they are the, I believe it's the second largest military force on the planet or the third. If you take the police departments in the United States and put them together, um, that is the, you know, in terms of tanks, you know, helicopters and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, there are people that, you know, defend the police, right? I get it. I get it. You know, you might know someone who's a police officer, but remember, you know, the person we're not talking about the person we're talking about the institution, the machine they are a part of, right? It is killing us literally. And then if it hasn't killed us, it very much shapes the world in which we live. Right. I was reading a report on the uh, cash bail system just to continue down this path on the cash bail system in the United States. And uh, basically the cash bail system works like this. You could be arrested for allegedly doing something, right? I read a story the other day about a woman who her puppy, her dog gave birth to puppies at the neighbor's house, right? She went to the neighbor's house and says, Hey, my dog is here with the puppies at your house. I need my dog back. The neighbor says, no, this is my dog and those are my puppies. So the lady's like, no. And then they have a little back and forth. These neighbors call the police on the woman who owns the dog. Woman has to go home. Police show up at her house and arrest her. Take her to jail. Judge gives her a $60,000 bond, right? Which... If you go to a bail bonds company, I didn't know this, you have to pay them 10%. So you give them $6,000 that you never get back, regardless of if you're guilty or innocent. And um, they will put up the rest of the bond for you to get out of jail so that you can fight that case from a position of power. Um, mm. A better position yeah. than being incarcerated. From a better position, sure. a position of power, ain't it? So, so. What happens is this woman can't afford that $6,000. Not everybody has that money there. So she's in jail, hasn't been able to even plead whether or not she's guilty or innocent, hasn't even been able to tell her story, right? Doesn't get to see a judge for weeks because she can't make that bail, right? And um, loses her job because she's in there, almost loses her house, right? And that cash bail system incentivizes police to make arrests. There's a, a, a brilliantly made case. If you want to learn more, 
check out Our Daily Story on the Black Information Network. It's called Our Daily Story with Ramses Ja. <laughs> and uh, you can hear, you know, stories like this and others where you do deeper dives. But, you know, it gives you a sense that there's a broken system there. And um, not everybody can fight back against it. I can't say it any better, right? And a, a system designed to profit off of arrest, off of poor people, and yeah. keep poor people incarcerated. It's uh, it's 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 quite unfortunate, and it's really hard to beat it. And remember, that scenario that I said didn't have anything to do with guilt or innocence. It just is something that sucks you into it. And if you plead <laughs> so that you can get out, now you have a criminal charge, and that's with you forever, you know, and so forth. And so, anyway. And you're incentivized to plead because, yeah, uh, uh, if, if the I, sentence might be two months, but it might, you know, it might be six plead, months before get, you can beat the case. I plead, I get no time. Sure. I'll do that. Yeah, exactly. Or time served. And then the next time you get picked up, oh, now you have a record. Anyway, we could go on. And then, of course, we're talking about overly policed, disproportionately poor neighborhoods in the country. Man, we can talk about the criminal justice system. We can talk about police, the institution. We can say, hey, man, they got a lot of money. Let's take this money and put it into preventative measures. So that precludes the necessity of so many police. Well, preventative measures are less profitable and we live in a capitalistic society. Yeah, so that's what the bail bonds people say. And nobody ever gives them a hard time about letting people out of prison before their trial date. But if you want to end the cash bail system, they're like, oh, you're being soft on crime. Wait a minute. Isn't that exactly what you guys do? All right. Never mind. I think my points are too crisp. Okay. <laughs> It's time for the Way Black History Fact. In fact, we went over a little bit. Q, hit us with some Way Black History. Thomas Fuller, often called the Virginia Calculator. Let me pause for a second. His often called name is Cold-Blooded. The Virginia Calculator. That's the one. Was born in 1710 on the slave coast of West Africa. Uh, When pre-colonial scramble for slaves replaced their earlier trade-in gold, Fuller was snatched from his native land, sold as a slave, and brought the colonial America or brought to colonial America in 1724 at age 14. Although considered literate or illiterate, I'm sorry, because he could not read or write in English, he consistently demonstrated an unusual talent for solving complex math problems in his head. Northern Virginia planters, Presley and Elizabeth Cox, both of whom were also illiterate, quickly recognized his surprising abilities and put them to use in every phase of management of their 232 acre plantation farm about four miles from alexandria virginia Mm. can i say wow wow okay working as a field slave most of his adult life it was generally believed that fuller must have taught himself how to calculate early in life probably as a child in west africa in an environment where slaves were forbidden to learn to read and write he explained his skills as coming from an expert experimental i'm sorry applications around the farm such as counting the hairs in a cow's tail wow or counting grains in bushels of wheat and flaxseed allegedly he also figured out new way of multiplying how far apart objects were wading into complex astronomy related computations now carried out by computers (laughs) the virginia calculator Mm -hmm. was a bad man 
Not surprisingly, his owners refused numerous offers to purchase Fuller because they had come to depend on his amazing abilities to measure things with his mind alone. I'm going to pause for a second because I hope people listening to this can wonder at him and marvel at him and also comprehend how sad and sick and sinister the people were who owned him and had the capacity to sell him. In 1780, when Fuller was 70 years old, a Pennsylvania businessman and a couple of associates on hearing of his extraordinary genius traveled to Alexandria to meet him. Out of curiosity, they asked a few questions. Two were noteworthy. How many seconds were in a year and a half? And two, how many seconds had a man lived who was 70 years old, 17 days and 12 hours old? When he correctly answered, 47,304,000 and let make sure I'm reading this right Ramses 2.2 billion. 2. 2 billion and I'll say it exactly 2,210,500,800 respectively mm. in less than two minutes each time one of the men objected citing his own calculations were much smaller Fuller quickly responded stop Massa you forgot the leap year oh we when the observer adjusted for the extra day every four years, they grudgingly accepted Fuller's answer. Their observation of Fuller's computations or, or computational abilities, rather, were later submitted to the Abolitionist Society of Pennsylvania. <laughs> I've never met this man, but this part, this part is really sad to me. Fuller died on the Cox Farm near Alexandria, Virginia in 1790. He was 80 years old. The Columbian Sentinel, a Boston, Massachusetts newspaper, noted in its obituary of Fuller, thus died Negro Tom. This self-taught arithmetician, this untutored scholar, had his opportunities of improvement been equal to those of thousands of his fellow men, neither the Royal Society of London, the Academy of Science at Paris, nor even Newton himself need have been ashamed to acknowledge him a brother in science. That brilliant, magnificent man lived his life as a slave. As those that owned him acknowledged his brilliance and used it to further their own purposes. I want to say something. Again, I know if you're listening to our voices today that you perhaps don't believe this, but there are some people who believe that black thought is inferior. They may not say it out loud. They may not even know that they think that, but they regard it as inferior. Q, you're a brilliant man. I've known that for decades. <laughs> Um, I don't think anybody would suggest to me that I'm not certainly if they're certainly not if they're related to me. I got a good family, man. They really like me. Um, and I think it's important to celebrate the black mind. You know, we, 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 we discuss contributions to society. We, we uh, certainly, we discuss a lot of, um, like, 
like civil rights activists, like those sorts of things, you know, but, and we, and we discuss science and medicine and our ebony excellence. We talk about all these sorts of significant contributions, but just to focus on the black mind for a second and say that it is just as valuable and just as capable, you know, granted, we're all different people. We're a full race of people. So there's, we have a full spectrum of intelligence, of abilities, of charisma, of looks, of anything that you could have at it, you know, um, but I think that a lot of times our black minds and our black thought gets overlooked. And, uh, and unfortunately, our words, too, unless we're rapping. And so that's a big part of the reason why Civic Cypher exists is because you're not hearing rap music right now. You're hearing black people actually talk about something that we feel matters. And hopefully you feel like it matters, too. Amen. With that said. I think that um, that's going to conclude for today. Uh, so once again, thank you for tuning in to Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. I still go by the name Q Ward today. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll stick with that. Maybe not. I don't know. I like Q Ward. It's been working. We got some years in on the airwaves. I'm at it. Uh, do us a favor. Hit the website, civiccipher.com. Download this and any previous episodes. You can also submit topics to the show, anything you want us to talk about, um, any questions you have, we'd be happy to answer. Follow us on all social media. We are at Civic Cipher on all platforms. Um, make a donation to the show. Please. As we mentioned, the show is growing. It grows with your support. We're trying to do something special here. It and only grows with your support, exactly. by the way. Exactly. And so don't be afraid to shoot us some chips, y'all. And until next week, peace.